If you go into our members' homes, close your eyes and you think, if this family dies tomorrow, and I'm lazy, I, I don't close them, you know, I don't show them the passion for our product, mm -hmm. right? Most likely, they're never going to hear about life insurance again until it's too late. Yeah. They retire until they're sick, until they're dying, whatever, yeah. right? We're probably the first and last person to ever contact them about life insurance, right? Yeah. I got to at least plant the seed, but I got to be passionate about what I do, right? If I, let's say I wrote a thousand bucks for the day, this is my last appointment, I'm like, I'm just going to shortcut this one and get out of here, right? Because I'm yeah. already successful. Or I wrote nothing for the day, I'm going to shortcut this one because I just want to get home, right? We can absolutely not only affect the family that we're in front of, but multiple generations to come mm -hmm. if we just influence them to put a little bit of money away, right? Absolutely. And, and invest it in life insurance, you know? Absolutely. We can be that one moment that changes their life in a different direction. Dope, another episode of Adversity Kings. We have special guest, Steve Serace. How's it going today? Awesome, man, going yeah? better. Yeah. Good, how was the trip in? Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. dope. And so let's start with, uh, where it all started for you. So where were you born and raised? Born and raised in uh, just a little city south of Cleveland, Ohio. You know, yeah. Um, Brunswick, Ohio. Yeah, I was actually born in Parma, but I've, uh, you know, my, my mom and I resided, uh, lived in Brunswick in a little trailer park, corner of Boston and Pearl. Still there today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With your with your dad? No. Then she actually met my dad. You know, a lot of people know the story already. I'm not even sure if you know the story, but yeah. Jim's my stepdad. Okay. You know, and... Um, Jim raised me as his father, or yeah. as, I'm sorry, as my father, you know, since I was about a year and a half, two years old. Wow. Um, my mom and uh, dad met. My mom was bartending mm -hmm. at, a, at a bowling alley. Yeah. And my dad would stop in after, I think, his real estate uh, day, and he was out selling real estate, and he'd stop in, drink coffee. You know, my dad's a kind of a, a boring guy, and he's not going in for drinks, you yeah. know, so, um, and then uh, the rest is kind of history. He moved into the uh, trailer with us for about um, six months to a year. Yeah. I don't really remember that time, you know, but yeah. uh, took me in under his um, guidance and I've called him dad ever since. You know, he's never treated me different and um, I never felt different. Now, did you ever meet your biological father? Yep. Uh, yeah, he was, uh, I actually used to visit him every weekend and uh, uh, growing up, you know, did holidays at the house. Um, um, you know, he was a, a dad, uh, you know, a dad that you would visit and, um, I would say looking back on it, more of a, you know, maybe like an uncle, you yeah. know. Um, but man, I, I mean, I learned some valuable lessons from him as well. I mean, everything that, that Jim didn't teach me, um, my biological dad did. You know, a great guy. I mean, awesome guy. I yeah. couldn't want a better, but just through, you know, being a weekend dad, and it kind of sucks, you know. I mean, this is what happened, you know, between him and my mom, they got married very early. My mom was, I think, 18 years old, and and um, just things didn't work out, you know, but um, they always had an amicable relationship. Um, and my dad, uh, you know, he, he used his hands, and he did a lot of uh, woodworking and electrical work, and everything that I know how to do to renovate a home, I learned from my biological dad. Yeah, you know, I have but, zero idea how to do any of that. Yeah, you know, um, but all my business stuff, my people skills, um, you know, and all my I guess my ethical background comes from my 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 dad, Jim Serace. Yeah, you know. So, um, and I it, guess I was pretty lucky because I did have two dads. Yes. you know, and they never argued. They never, uh, you know, never got neither each other's way. You know, nobody asked for one thing more than another. You know, financially or otherwise. You know, and and it was a busy time growing up because you kind of had to appease both parties. You yeah. know, and holidays were really busy for me. You know, and. You always had to play the like. I always like to appease people. You know, yeah. I'm not a I'm not a conflict kind of guy. Um, so, you know, so. But anyways, it was a it was a great upbringing. You know, but uh, Jim Serace, I consider him my dad. So, do you still have a relationship with your biological dad? Uh, not. We kind of um, we we've lost contact over the last just life. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, um, he doesn't. He lives about 15 minutes away from me. You know, we mm -hmm. just haven't. Um, we haven't really crossed paths or I mean, we communicate birthdays and things of that nature, you mm -hmm. know, but I think he's kind of doing his thing. I'm doing mine. And do you have and, any um, half siblings on his? Uh, I don't. No. I, my, my sister, Jamie, is my half sister. OK. Um, but again, we've been siblings since, you know, I could remember. And I that's mean, Jim's daughter. Though. That's Jim's daughter. Yeah. OK. Mm -hmm. So do you have any other siblings or just Jamie? No, that's Jamie. That's OK. Jamie, yeah. So what elementary and middle school? What was that all like? It was uh, normal. You know, I went to. Um, uh, Brunswick, uh, Brunswick City Schools, and that's the same school that Marcus went to and his brothers went to. Yep. Um, you know, I uh, 
did elementary there in Brunswick, and then we went to uh, middle school in North Royalton. Um, my parents built their first home where their, uh, where their office was. Uh, they actually just sold their office in North Royalton. But um, uh, I went to middle school there for a year, and then I finished out high school there. And um, kind of that was, that was tough, you know, yeah. because you're leaving all the friends that you grew up with from one city, and now you have to try to make new friends in a new city, especially when they've lived their whole life together, um, you know, sports-wise, you know, and uh, being the new kid at a, at a middle school, high school, you know. Yeah. But... You know, I was kind of like the class clown. I like to have a good time, and and um, I uh, I got away got, got along without everybody in school. And um, I was kind of that kid that didn't belong to any any certain group of people, but I got along with all the people. Yeah, if that makes any sense. I played sports, football, basketball, baseball, from middle school all the way through high school. You know, and, what was your um, favorite? Uh, football, basketball, baseball. <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I don't think I had a favorite. I loved whatever I was playing at the time. Yeah, you know. Um, I'm still highly competitive. You know, I don't care what game we're playing. If we're playing, you know, cornhole or, or basketball, I hate losing. I yeah. hate losing, you know. But, um, you know, Marcus and I used to play a lot of uh, Madden together. Yeah, that's know? what I heard. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I don't remember him ever winning a game, but, I mean, he thinks differently. So. Yeah? Yeah, but, no, any game I was playing, and that's always my favorite. And, and looking back on it, you know, I got the, the opportunity to coach my kids at different sports that I didn't play. And looking back, you know, I love basketball, but man, wrestling, I started coaching my kids when they were very young at wrestling and, and maybe that's my favorite. I know it sounds weird because I never played it, but that yeah. might be my favorite sport. Yeah. 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 That's probably one of the hardest sports. I could imagine. If yeah. not, it's gotta be top yeah. three hardest sports. It's individual. You know, it's all about you and that other person on the mat. Nobody else, you know, the, your coaches the, can will you through, but they can't make you, you know, pin somebody or do a move or the amount know. of endurance it requires to go that six minutes eight minutes however long that yeah. match it and then the practices i remember doing i wrestled for two years and i remember doing practices and preparing for you know like uh qualifying for for states you know what i mean and when you're preparing and, and doing yeah. i mean you're talking about trying to live wrestle for half an hour to an hour let alone you know just live wrestling in general it's yeah. so physically exhausting and that bleeds over into the mental and so the mental exhaustion yeah. as well it's, i mean you talk about Wrestlers, mm -hmm. the four brothers. They're they're wrestlers, right? Uh, Derek, yeah, Danny, Danny, and De yeah, yeah, Danny and Derek. Yeah, I think Derek was um, runner-up state champ. I mean, two, three years in a row. I don't know yeah. if he ever was a state champ, and I think he did really good in college, yeah. and obviously wrestled in the WWF. And and yeah, how many kids do you have? I have three. Uh, my oldest son is twenty-five. That's Caleb, and um, my middle son is twenty-one, Joshua. And my daughter just turned 21. I'm sorry, he's 23. My daughter's 21. That's okay. Naomi. So. And so, did they all wrestle? Who wrestled? Uh, my two boys, my oldest boy, uh, Caleb and Joshua, both of them wrestled. I could see Naomi wanting to wrestle. You know, yeah. now it's a thing. You could actually, you yeah. know, girls can wrestle. And yeah. I think my daughter's the most competitive out of all my kids, for sure. She, yeah. She'll do anything to win, you know, sometimes cheat. You know, I yes. don't know if that's what I taught her. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure. You know, I, I didn't teach her to cheat to win, but the, the desire to win was, you know, greater yeah. than. Uh, she would cheat at Candyland. She would rig the deck. I remember, you know, she would yeah. make sure that the second card pulled was her. You know, it would take her to the top of the, you know, top of the board. But, yeah. Uh, she played rugby and and she played soccer and then her problem was that she got bored quick yeah you know and she would play softball go to the all-star game the next year she's like i don't want to play i'm like what that's you know you're best at that then she'd play soccer go to the all-star game and then she would be bored with that then she played rugby and she could have had a full ride to college for for rugby and she was awesome at it yeah such a such another difficult sport that, you know yeah. to understand it. because it's just not our traditional sport here but but um and the two boys were just so different. My oldest son would he would um, wrestle, and he didn't have much technique, but he had the power and grit. And, yeah. and you know, when he thought he was down, he would do the hip toss. You know, it's yeah. the, you know the easiest move. And but he would just out, he would out strength somebody. But my middle son, he didn't really had the the, the strength, but he always had the finesse to outpoint yeah. you. You know, yeah, yeah. He had the brains and he had the smarts. So which one was better? Oh man, I, I, probably my oldest son was better at wrestling, and yeah. um, and my middle son, he was good. He was good, and you know, he just, um, you know, I don't think that was a sport for him. Yeah. Yeah. What was his sport? Uh, you know, I think it was more school. You know, he yeah. did really, really well in school. You yeah. Know, um, and um, he played baseball. They all played baseball. I never really pushed them to go on the travel team. You know, yeah. I've seen a lot of kids get burned out. You know, and. Yeah. I wish I did would have pushed a little bit more, but you know, it was one of those things as a parent, you just don't 
know if I'm going to push them away from it or push them into it. Yeah. You know? But they were they all wrestled and they they um, played football. I was their football coach for many many years. Yeah. Um, I started off in flag football and moved my way up to um, the, the varsity league right before they went to middle school football. So okay. I coached both boys. My daughter cheered for them. I coached my daughters. You know, did a little assistant coaching at rugby. Yeah. And um, some other sports, but yeah. okay. I was uh, super involved with them. Um, I don't think I missed one game, one practice, and yeah. And um, I just loved. That was a huge part of. Um, who I am and, and who they are. What was like the the music and the movies and the ho- hobbies that you did as a as a kid? What were you into? So, here's something crazy. So, um, I really didn't care for movies all that much. Whatever the the yeah. my hobbies were playing sports. Yeah. You know anything outside. Um, BMX riding, stunt riding. You know, I got into skateboarding a little bit. Did you guys you have know? music? Um, yeah. You know, um, I again. I don't listen to music for the words. I still, if you talk to my wife today, I like the rhythm. It's, uh, I love the rhythm. I'm, a, I'm a rhythm and, guy. And all the music that I liked, my dad didn't approve of. So he would usually break all my CDs or cassettes back in the day. You know, I had, um, but I didn't have a genre. Um, I, I didn't listen to country back in the day. Okay. Today I do. You know, my yep. wife kind of got me into the country. It's. I grew up. I don't on even it. know if you could uh, if you could call it country. You yeah. Know? But I listened to uh, pretty hardcore rap and, and yeah. a lot of grunge. Uh, you know, that was the music of the did time. Did Marcus put you on rap or did you no, find no, rap No, no, no. I found rap way before Marcus. I okay. mean, I, my, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but like Easy e and NWA and Two Live Crew. And again, everything that was pretty um, hardcore, you know, and, yeah. and um, you know, moving into Ice Cube and Ice T and all that kind of good stuff. You know, everything that had the parental sticker on it, yeah. I bought. My dad would find, he would break, you know, yeah. and I'd go back out and buy it again, you yeah. know. So, yeah. But uh, then I got into you know, mostly rock, you know. Um, yeah. Never really a heavy metal kind of guy. I yep. didn't get into Metallica until later in life. But but now I love everything. I love every genre of music. I, I'd love to listen to it, but mostly for the beats, not so much for the words. Yeah. You like yeah. the uh, No Sugar Tonight? I do. Yeah, no of course. Yeah, tonight. yeah, yeah. That's, love it. that's yeah. one of my go-tos right now. Yeah, I love I love all the even the new music. I mean, I love going to festivals now. Yeah, um, I, I love my big thing is you know a lot of people like clothes and watches and jewelry and cars and I like all those things. But to me, um, you know, all that stuff's gonna stay here. Uh, but I think our memories are gonna go with us. Maybe, maybe not. I don't yeah. know. But experience is all is what I'm. About, they're they're know? a little longer lasting than the you know what I mean. The new car, it's cool for a week. It, it is. It is. You know what I mean. The new watch. Yeah, maybe cool for a week. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's a, the bigger the thing, it might be cooler a little longer. But mm-hmm. a good memory, man. You play a song or something, yeah. you could live that oh. thing out for years. Yeah. yeah, experience is what I'm about. I just um, and people, if you follow me on, on Facebook or anything else, where are you at this week? You know, yeah. and, and um, you know, fortunately, I found a partner with my wife, and she just loves to. Uh, uh, like sometimes we're like, why do we just do all that stuff? I mean, how do we cram in you know, a month long event in, in three days over a weekend, yeah. you know, and I mean, we could be in one state and another state and then, you know, on a boat and, you know, just in one weekend and, yeah. and we love it. We love yeah. it. I mean, wouldn't trade that lifestyle for the, you know, for anything. So now how about high school transitioning to college? Didn't go to college. So, okay. um, I, you know, I wanted to go to college actually. Um, and you know, life kind of gives you the, you know, different, things, different paths in life, but I was going to go, if I was going to go to college, I was going to become a police officer, and I wanted to go to Tiffin University because they had a good school to become a police officer, Um, and I I wanted to play football in college, but I quit football my, um, I want to say my, I didn't play my senior year, so, um, because our coach was... Did Marcus play while you were playing? So, no, so, okay, so I think I played against his brother, because I played in North Relton in high school, and so when I transferred, the school I came from, Brunswick, they won five conference championship rings in a row, right? Okay. And I was supposed to be part of that team, right? And yeah. I was just pumped to be part of Brunswick football. It's like in your blood. It's like Texas, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, Are they still good to this day? No, not as good as they okay. used to be. They, they, their coach went somewhere else. and um, No, they're not as good. You okay. know? But their program is really good. They start yeah. their kids young, and, and you know they, they, they have a strong wrestling. If you, if you don't play football, you're wrestling, and if you're not wrestling, you're playing football. So all those things go hand in hand yeah. you know, for the most part. Um, but it's not as good as it used to be. So when I left, though, coincidentally, my high school really sucked at football. Yeah. I don't know if we won a game in three years. And I hated the feeling of riding the bus home and everybody being down and out, you know. And, again, I'm pretty jovial. I, I 
we just lost the game, and if you're smiling, you're coaching and your players like, what are you smiling about? You know, and it's like, yeah. oh, I'm not smiling that we lost a game. I hate losing. You know, I, I just, yeah. but you know, there's not much we could do about that besides get better next week. And our coach really didn't really want to get better next week. He just yelled at us that we weren't better. You know, we went both ways. We had a small team. We were a band school. You know, and we didn't have the talent that other places have. But our coach was so serious, he took the fun out of it. You know, and. And a lot of us, most of us, decided not to play our senior year. I think they had three three players that continued on. So I played uh, intramural sports. I played for the intramural football team. It was so much more fun, and we could still compete. You know, we had an intramural football league in our in our high school. But that kind of took me in the direction away from college, believe it or not. You know, yeah. and then I kind of started. You know, you get away from sports. You know, you lose your hobby, you know, sports or whatever. You start hanging around with the wrong crowd. I went yeah. back to some of my old friends in, in Brunswick, and they weren't doing so uh, such good things, you know. Yeah. Um, and um, I was smart enough not to get caught and not to really go overboard with the stuff that I was doing. I just got sucked into some of that lifestyle. But um, I, I, my senior year, my spring break, I, I got my insurance license. I went to the 40-hour course, and, you know, I wanted to make money. I saw my dad. I had a very huge influence. His name is Tony DiPaolo. Um, he was a – my mom hired him. He, uh, you know, had the Mustang that I wanted, the, the radio that I wanted. I was really into car stereos Your mom was then. in the business? Oh, yeah. She was an MGA, and she hired a lot of people. And, wow. And she still gets residual income from her own personal <laughs> accounts today, you know. Wow. So, yeah. So – Growing up, when That's my parents insane. were building this business, I lived at my grandma's house. I caught the school bus from my grandma's house. Um, I uh, woke up at my grandma's house. I went back to my grandma's. My grandma pretty much, she didn't raise us. My parents were always there. But I spent more time with my grandma while my mom and dad were building the business. Yeah. They, they were literally building the business together. I mean, yeah. his story is awesome. I mean, you got to have him on one of these things because it's just... You know, his first year, he became a partner SGA. People didn't know he was a partner his first year. Yeah. His SGA, you know, was dying of leukemia. He became a partner. His SGA died. He was here for eight months, and he became a partner. He's on his 40th year this year, this month. Well, I think it's beginning of December. He'll be on his 40th year with our company. Um, he got licensed, I believe, at the end of November, um, 40 years ago. So next month will be 40 years. That's right. Yeah. Wow. So 1994, um, I got my insurance license as soon as I graduated high school. Um, don't know how I passed the test. I just knew that this answer. Forty was hours. This answers, I had to go the forty hours of classroom training, and then I got my. Uh, when I graduated, probably the week of my graduation, I went and took my test. Yeah. Um, passed my test with a seventy percent. I actually walked out thinking that I failed because you, yeah. I thought you had to get better yeah. than seventy percent. She goes, "Why are you so upset?" I said, well, "I think I failed," you know, and and she goes, "No, you passed with a seventy percent." I'm like, "Great." So I went out and celebrated. Had my took my girlfriend out to True Lies with my my, my car. They had these big subwoofers in it and speakers and such. And what um, kind of car? It was a Camaro. It was a junky four cylinder four yeah. cylinder Camaro. I remember it, you know. But I customized everything, to, you know, everything in it. I was a another hobby of mine was the, my my car stereo. Yeah. And uh, so I came out, my car was stolen. So the day I got my license, it was like I went from here to here. That's kind of like the story yeah. of my life. Sometimes, you know, you can have the best day and the, and the worst day all in the same day. You yeah. Know? So, uh, but anyways, it all worked out. I got a better Camaro. I had T-tops, you know, the mullet to go with it. I was going to ask. Yeah, I was, yeah, sure. thinking, I was like, I did, did you have I did. a mullet? I had a mullet. Yeah, I did. Um, now, when I only had a mullet for a little bit, you know, through high school. But um, when I um, came to American Income in 94, um, I was making okay money. But if you don't have discipline in this business, you know, it's just not going to work out. Yeah. Right? You know, I had other priorities, like hanging out with my friends and back in the day playing like Sega, you know, or yeah. Nintendo, Nintendo number one. Right. You know, um, but I thought I made it. I thought just because I got my insurance license that, you know, it's like Tommy Boy. Right. I got my insurance license. My dad's the boss. I should be just raking in the dough. Yeah. You know, but again, all my friends, they weren't focused on a career. And, you know, American income is a career, right? Oh, my God, yes. So um, I started going down the wrong path. And when my parents were on convention one year, I signed up for the Army. Yeah. Never watched an Army movie, never watched Platoon, never watched Apocalypse Now, um, you know, none of that stuff. Um, and I went in, I, I had a really good ASVAB score, which is a score that places you into jobs. Yep. If you have, I scored super high on that. I was pretty well educated and mm -hmm. I didn't apply myself in school. I didn't like school. I, I found myself, I got smarter after school. You know, I figured math out finally after school. I wish yeah. I would have figured it out in school. But um, so I did good in the ASVAB test, right? I had any job I wanted in, in the United States Army. I could have probably went to the Air Force or Marine. I don't know why. I just said, I'm going to the Army. I got to get away, right? Um, I was living my dad's, you know, my dad's shadow a little bit. My dad was my boss. You know, it's just it's a hard thing to do at 18 years old. So yeah. 
joined the Army. I joined the 82nd Airborne. I was an infantry paratrooper, um, you know, one of the highest speed, you know, uh, Army units in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, infantry, they train to kill people, you know. Yeah, infantry um, paratrooper. That's hard. Paratrooper, you know, we were, were uh, physically fit, you know, it was right up my alley, you know. So it, was, it had everything to do with uh, athletics and leadership. And, and um, the coolest part about the United States Army and probably the military, but I can only speak on the Army, is they take a kid... Didn't do any camping. I wasn't a Boy Scout. I mean, I was a Cub Scout. I wasn't a Boy Scout. Uh, didn't watch any Army movies. And in a very short period of time, they they break you down, you know. And if you're willing to be coachable and learn their systems within 90 days, you're, lo- you're learning to shoot guns and weapons that I've never shot in my life to defend yourself and defend your brothers that are there with you, you yeah. know. And in the infantry, uh, that the infantry, anybody gets the infantry, even if you fail the ASVAB. I don't know if it's possible to fail the ASVAB, but... That's the job you get if you don't qualify for anything else. So when I joined, I was amongst people that I grew up with. We grew up in a trailer park. We grew up in a condominium complex. It was uh, it was kind of known as the projects of Brunswick. They're both still there. I still live in Brunswick today. I drive through there once in a while just to show people m- where my roots are, you know, and I still have friends that live there today. We say hi. I pulled through there the other night and waved to some friends I grew up with as a kid. And they said, hey, what are you guys doing? And, you know, different lifestyle now. Yeah. But... And it's sad to see them in their in their same rut, you know. And they yeah. made that choice to stay, you know. Maybe they yeah. didn't get the opportunity like I had, but, but, um, yeah, man, it was awesome. It's it's a really cool story. And I went to the army, did that for three and a half years. One of the shortest contracts, you know, um, that you could choose. wasn't sure if I was going to continue with it. So my actually my recruiter did me a couple solids. He's like, listen, you don't know nothing about the Army. I'm going to give you the shortest contract so you can make a decision if you want to be here or not. You know yeah. I mean? He could have probably signed me up for eight years. I'd be like, yeah, okay, where do I sign, right? You know? Um, I joined a PSYOPs unit afterwards, so when I left the 82nd Airborne, I, um, luckily I was in at a time we had no war. Now, yeah. at the time, we were ready to go. I wanted to go. As a matter of fact, I was upset we weren't going. We got called out a million times, but there were always false calls. Um, looking back on it, boy, was I blessed then to go to anywhere that's, you know, I mean, people are going places and they're getting blown up by things they can't even see. It's just, it's sad, right? Yeah. So thankfully, uh, I learned a lot about training. That's where I think my training background is. Taking somebody that has no experience in, in their field, making it fun, making it exciting, um, and, and making somebody productive in a very short period of time. Yeah. You know, and I took a lot of those tactics they teach you in the army, and I applied it to uh, to American income. Came back a more mature person. I had a, a wife. I was bringing back a wife that was pregnant, um, and I had my first child at about uh, maybe when I was twenty, twenty one years old, and um, and then I had them two years apart from there on out. So, um, but man, did that teach me a lot about life, you know? And and I applied a lot of that towards my American income life career, you know. So. I'm so happy that that happened. Sometimes I wish I was still in, but you know, thinking back, I just I I loved that that structure, mm-hmm. and um, that's where I think Saray Smith was. They they did very good. We had a structured system. It was yeah. easy easy to transfer to people who have never done it before. Um, easy to understand. You know, fun, and um, everything that the army really was. You know, is kind of what we had at Saray Smith when back in when I came back in '97. So I came back in 97. I came back with the insurance company thing and worked my way up through the ranks. Um, I became an SA, GA, MGA. I was a PR manager for some time. I signed up some groups. I became a partner with my dad for about three years. At the time, we were in Category 3. We got to walk on stage together, at, you know, and we won our category. Um, and then um, I broke off from him. Uh, probably one of the worst decisions I made, you know, to, looking back on it, you yeah. know. and and um, But... You know, when you're a young 25-year-old guy, you, sometimes that, that you don't want to be in a legend's shadow, you know. And yeah. my dad was a legend, you know. He was, he was been with the company for a long time. He was doing really well. He was, you know, doing all the right things in all the right places. That was like Jim Serace. And then there was Jim Serace and his son, you know. And I wanted to be Steve Serace. So um, looking back on it, you know, being Jim Serace's partner is not a bad thing, you yeah. know. I mean, it worked out well for Marcus and his current partners, right. But yes. I got a little greedy. Um, wanted to take Marcus with me. I'm not sure if he allowed Marcus to come with me. You know, usually a lot of... So I went to the eastern part of Ohio, western part of Pennsylvania, uh, started running the agency, probably did everything you could do wrong as an SGA, as a 25-year-old, you yeah. know. Um, story for another day, maybe not on the podcast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you want to know what not to do, I could probably share those things with you. And if yeah. you could figure out how not to do those and do everything else the right way, yeah. I think you would be all right, you know. Yeah. So, But um, I think you learn a lot from 
you know, your failures. Oh, at least so you much. should. If you don't, if you don't learn from them, then they're just going to become failures, and you can't turn those into successes. Yeah, welcome right? to insanity. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, came back to uh, my dad's agency. Humbly came back to my dad's agency after a couple of years, and and uh, Marcus was now my boss. You know, yeah. where I trained Marcus in the field, and yeah. and we worked really well together. Now he never treated me like he was my boss. You know, he always and Marcus still treats me with the utmost respect. You know, love yeah. Marcus for that. You know, always thanks me for what I did for him, and and man, he I, he did more for me, and I don't know if he. He's listening or not, but he's done more for me than I, I will ever do for him, I'm sure. You know, yeah. I mean, he made me look really good. You yeah. Know? Mike Brown was the coach of the Cavaliers when they hired LeBron. Mike Brown got the uh, coach of the year, you know. And yeah. I don't know if Mike Brown, you know, is, is, was a good coach more so than LeBron, which is a great player. So, yeah. So I was make, like the Mike Brown of, uh, of you know, Marcus Smith. So, yeah. You know, so getting the VIPs for, 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 or coach of the year for Marcus's accolades, you know. Yeah. But, you know, I know that, you know, um, and, um, I think we worked really well together, Marcus and myself, and and um, I thought, you know, and my dad, you know, I mean, Marcus and, and my dad, they're kind of yin and yang, right? Uh, yeah. But I was also the guy that brought the fun to the agency. You got to have a little bit of fun, you know. Yes. I love your agency, you know, because Marcus and my dad aren't always the most fun people in the world, you know. No. They don't like games, you know. Yeah. So I brought that missing part. You yeah. know, I was always the fun guy, um, the guy who set up the the events, the the picnics, and the, yeah. the you know the Dave and Buster stuff, you know, and. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I have a serious side for him, you know, to myself. You rarely ever see it, you know, but, um, but yeah, it was just a, it was a great thing. And, and about oh, seven years ago, uh, Thanksgiving, week before Thanksgiving, I think I started at the home office. Okay. Mike Labasi called me up and he said, we're rolling out the impact. So up until that point, were you an RGA? I was an RGA. Uh, well, then I was doing the in-house training. Okay. Um, I love the in-house training, uh, and there's a reason. So there's a give and take. So if you're doing the in-house training, you're on a salary, right? Mm-hmm. I had a pretty cozy salary for a couple of years. Um, I took my job very serious. You know, we did a training class of upwards to 30 to 40 people a week. Mm-hmm. I not only trained our, our Cleveland office, but I remotely on the old Uvu and Skype uh, did Columbus, and I did uh, Toledo and uh, Cincinnati and Youngstown, I think we had an office in, and I think we opened up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we had, I think, seven or you know remote offices, right? And I was doing the training for all those offices. And here's what my biggest accolade, in my opinion, didn't matter if you were in front of me or if you were in an office in Columbus or Toledo or Cincinnati, they enjoyed training. You know, I, I did virtual training before it was a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I made it fun and exciting. I made them laugh. What's your simplified system to training? Do you have an acronym or... Uh, some type of way uh, you describe it, like phase one. Baby steps. Everything's baby steps, you know. Mm-hmm. Everything builds. So we had a, a five-day. We had actually a 10-day training, but the first five days were the most intense. Day one built. You can't miss it. You can't just tell me the day two because day two built off of day one, right? Mm-hmm. Our training, and I still believe in it today. Actually, I was hired by with David. Uh, that's a whole other story. But but um, when I first came to home office, I was supposed to be on the impact team. Impact wasn't ready yet. So David actually helped me do the training program for the company. It's kind of a mixture of a, three or four different training systems, including Saray Smith. You know, if I had it my way, it would be all Saray Smith, yeah. you know, because I thought it was most successful. I still do today, right? But, um, you know, when you're doing a corporate-level training, you kind of kind of have it um, fit everybody's needs, mm-hmm. right? You know, and, and so, but I think the secret to that success was, one, involve everybody. Answer their questions. Make it simple. Make it transferable. Um, and, and I think the key was that every day built off the last, and, and we simplified it. So when they left on Monday, they understood more. When they left on Tuesday, they really understood even more. Not only from the Monday stuff, but from the Tuesday stuff. And and by the time they they were confident, our training system built confidence. The most important part of training, though, that that I see that's kind of broken some places. That if you have a classroom trainer. And then the field team is on a different page. When they leave training and they go see something different with their field trainers, in-house training is broken. Do you know what I mean? Because they're only going to believe what they see in the field, not what they see in a classroom. Because they're going to say, well, that's how we showed you in training, but here's how we really do it. Our systems at Saray Smith was, this is how I'm going to show you. And all of a sudden they witnessed in the field and they were like, oh my gosh, this works. Mm -hmm. What Steve taught today, I saw later. And that their belief and their confidence, it, it, you could just see it go through the roof. The next day they would come in and be like, you won't believe this. But everything you said in class, I saw in the field, and it worked. Yeah. And all of a sudden now it, it raised up the confidence in training. It raised up the confidence in our system, you know, our system. 
at American Income, we have such a great system. It's so simple, but it's, again, transferable, simple, easy, um, and it has results. That's the key. Yeah. You know, it's I mean, you could talk a big game all you want in training class, but if they go out there and they, they don't see this thing work, you know, sometimes it works too good. You ever have an agent you take out? I had this older guy. I was 19, 20 years old, maybe I was 21. I showed him nothing but sales one week. And I was like, this is not how it normally works. This is not how I, I'm a one for three closer. I don't know what happened. He's yeah. like, I, I can't be you, Steve. You know, I'm like, I know you can't. I didn't hire you to be me. He goes, I don't think this is right for me. He quit because I did too good. Yeah. I was like, dude, well, you know, what are you going to do? But but I remember that guy. And, and it's like he wanted to see failure. You know, he wanted to see the one out of three. Yeah. You know? And that's normally what I did. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love this place. It's it's done more for me and my family than than. And I owe, one of the reasons I came to home office, I came to home office, they offered me the exact same pay I was getting paid with my dad. Yeah. Um, they offered me the opportunity, though, to get out from underneath his shadow, to become yeah. my own man, right? Yeah. Um, I had to travel. I had, uh, my kids were all graduated high school. They didn't really need me to be there, you know, every single day anymore. Um, I, I wasn't coaching their sports. That's the reason I went to the in-house training with my dad, is I, I uh, sacrificed the renewals and the leadership position uh, for a nine-to-five salaried position okay yeah. but there's some give and take again i didn't have my renewals during that time um i wasn't building a future you know but i got to spend time with my kids during that time now you could do both with the virtual world yeah. you don't have to sacrifice anything you know it's it's you could pretty much kind of work everything around everything but but i knew i had to sacrifice a little bit back then so i did sacrifice a little bit to become the in-house trainer but I think 17 SGAs were born out of that training class. Um, I think six or seven directors, including Mike Labasi and Renee Jeffries and, and Dave Guzman, and, and, and were born out of our classroom. I could say that they were they were part of the class I taught. Yeah. You know, and very proud of that. But if I say that, I, I would be lying if I said that you know that yeah, all these people had success, but probably thousands more didn't. So everybody asked me, well, you know, what did these guys do differently than the thousands that didn't have success? Well, they listened. They applied and they worked hard. You yeah. Know, you, you, if you're not going to do those three things, you're not going to have success in our system. Mm -hmm. You know. So that's the only thing they did different than the other people that didn't do. Different. Yeah. I, I tailgate a lot. I, I I'm very social in Cleveland. I know a lot of people. There's not a place that my wife and I don't go to. My wife was a trainer after me. I trained my wife to do the trainer. She was in sales there as well. Um, my biggest sale was her, probably. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe she thought I was driving my dad's car or something like Where'd that. Where'd you guys you know? meet? At the office. Yeah. You know. But we knew each other before the office. We yeah. hung around people. Mutual friends that worked at the office. She went to school with at Mount Union. She was a track star. She ran hurdles. Um, I mean, uh, she was just incredible at her sport. Um, and she thinks she could still beat me in a race. I, she probably can, you know. Uh, but now she's a college uh, coach, and she does uh, track, and she does um, cross country. Okay. Uh, and, and she, again, doesn't do it because she wants to coach. She does it because she loves the heart of these girls. They're all inner-city girls, inner-city college out of Cleveland, Ohio. She gets to take them on so many first experiences, many of them years after they come out of her collegiate experience, uh, call her mom you yeah. know, and coach. And there's nothing better to hear your ex-athletes call you coach, even when they're adults. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just, and it's like American income. Me and Danielle will go out, hang out. There's not one person who says, man, stupidest thing I did is I quit AIL. If I would be so much more, uh, I'd be so much more, um, if, uh, you know, um, I'd, I'd have so much more today with my residual income if I just stayed. I'm yeah. no further off today than I was back then. I'm, I'm actually working harder today. Now, there's some people who love what they're doing. They left, they're, but they always give us credit. Your training got me to where I am today with my company. Yeah. You know? Again, that feels good. I, I love... I love the results of coaching. I love to see the success of people. I love Marcus's success. You know, I mean, I just love to see somebody who was driving, driving a Buick Skylark. We got rear-ended. You know, I was seeing a chiropractor for a month or two after we got rear-ended uh, in the field. We, we spent a lot of miles, you know, behind that windshield together uh, training in some, you know, weird neighborhoods and weird farm countries and cities. I witnessed his first sale and his second sale, and, and, and you know, he, I like to talk. And so I witnessed him kicking me under the table saying, we got to go. This was a non-sale. Let's go, you know. Let's yeah. get on to the next one. But, um but a guy that had a Buick Skylark, living at home with mom or dad, going through a tough time, right? Now he has anything he's ever wanted. Yeah. I mean, look at the impact he's having. And then if Marcus didn't do that, where would Simon be? Where would you be? You know, look, yeah. at, the, look at the, the, you ever see that little that little picture that you drop a, you know, it's almost water like and that, the ripple effect? Yeah. 
Isn't that crazy? It's almost like you're like my great grandfather uh, in the business. Sorry, don't call me that. Let's say like cousin or something like that. Yeah, you know. Because <laughs> if, uh, if yeah. Simon was like the father figure, then yeah, Marcus grandfather, you're great. That make Jim like the great great grandfather. I get it. Yeah. I, listen, it's just so. <laughs> There's not a lot of businesses you get to make money and, and touch people's lives. Yeah. You know, the, the businesses that I think that you make a lot of money, sometimes it's just the opposite. Who brought Jim in? He found American Income um, through a newspaper ad. Mm. And in the early 80s, he was in real estate. He was actually doing some security jobs. You know, he's carrying a gun with them and doing, like, security. Anything he could to make sure he put food and pay our bills, right? But mm. in the early 80s, the interest rates on a, on a house went up to, like, I want to say, like, 22% interest. Right? Wow. You, if they're bad today, could you believe? That's, today's like a 6% interest to buy a house, right? Mm -hmm. 22 to 24. So he had to get out of the real estate market. I believe him and his dad were brokers in real estate together. And he answered a newspaper ad, drove all the way to Akron, Ohio. I, and I, I think all the details are there. Um, found out that it was life insurance. Mm -hmm. And when he saw the sign on the door, he almost walked out. Thank God he didn't, right? Yeah. And out of respect to the, to the interview that he set, he said, I'm going to stay, hear what they have to say. And they gave him a place to go and, and a reason to be there and something to say, right? And he, he liked the concept. The marketing was like genius, right? Yeah. And he said, well, I'm good with people. Now, here's the crazy part. My dad is really good with people, has a heart for people, but he's not a people person. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, I can like, tell. It's like he has this house that, you know, you could have parties at every weekend and nobody, yeah. kind of like Marcus in that aspect, right? I'm the you same know? way. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, I try to get my dad to have a good time. And I think I'm one of the only people that can get him to come out of his shell and have a good time. Yeah. He won't admit it, you know, but, but, um, uh, so he found it. He, he liked what they had to say. He stayed with it. And, he worked very hard. I mean, we had one car. It was a four-door Nova. We were living in the condo at the time. I remember I always have this little scar here. I remember it because my mom had to take me to the emergency room because I fell off my bike into some glass. We only had one car. She had to beg a neighbor to get us to the emergency room. I don't yeah. think she wanted to get an ambulance because it would have cost us more money, you yeah. know. And it was, there was a lot of tough times back then, you know, financially. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes the reason he was he was the number two agent, I think, in '82. Just made over $80,000, maybe like $82,000 his first year. Yeah. And it wasn't so much because he wanted to compete as he had to get us out of debt, you know. Yeah. And, and um, he made good money, and he was in the right place at the right time. He'll always tell people, you've got to be if – the, if the time comes where they're going to ask you to, to, you know, go somewhere, you know, become promoted, be in the right place doing the right things at the right time. That's what he was. He was, yeah. he was like the newest agent there. There was agents there before him, but they came, Mr. Rapport came to him and said, you know, Jim, would you like to take over? You're the number one agent. At the time, I think he was number one agent in the company. Yeah. And said, would you like to take over this agency? And, and, you know, you got other agents there, you know, that were probably had more tenure, but he was doing all the right things. He was in the right place. And, and I always believe that um, I have this theory in life that, that your strength is your weakness, right? Yeah. Everybody has their strengths and everybody has their weaknesses, but a lot of times they're the same. Yeah. Right. And his strength is that he likes to be a leader. Right. He wants to lead. He he wants to show you how things can be done the right way. But that's also his weakness. Like when he comes to my house, he wants to lead my household. Right. He wants yeah. to tell me how to run my. But, you know, and he wants to, when he goes to church, he wants to lead the church. Yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, that's a good thing because he does want to lead. And, and, you know, I always see the ways I could make businesses better. But sometimes I, I let it go because that's not my business. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So, um you know, mine is that I, I love people, and um, I think people know that about me. Um, all people doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, and but my weakness is that I love people. Yeah, you know, so they, you know, they Rob's kinda, the same way. Yeah, I kind of let them off the hook a little too easy. Yeah, you know, where Marcus would say, "You want to make your family better. You want to, you know, you work harder." You know, and I'm like, spend some more time with your family. They need you. You know, and they're like, they don't need yeah. you. They need money. You know, that's yeah. the problem. You know, so and and. It's hard because, uh, you know, I understand that that's probably the more right thing to say. But, again, yeah. my, my heart gets in the way of my brain sometimes, uh -huh. you know. But, you know, yeah, so that's my dad's story. That's my story. Who were you closest with growing up? Oh, man. Um, I, I don't know if I was really – this is strange about me. I'm, I'm, I'm a loner. Uh, but I have a lot of friends, mm. you know. It's like I don't, um, I don't know if I have a best friend, you know. Um, uh, but was it your grandma? I know you spent a lot of time. Yeah, with her. My, my grandma. I spent a lot of time with her. I don't know if I was closest with her. I never really remember myself getting attached to anybody. You know, yeah. any one person. Even my dad. I don't remember like you know getting attached. Overly like, attached. I, I like to kind of pull the best out of everybody. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if I was. To this day, I don't know if I'm close to anybody. You know. Yeah. Um, 
besides my wife, you know? Yeah. And my kids, obviously. My kids, for sure, you know? So, um... What are your my, kids? My mom. Probably, if I were to answer that question, my mom. Yeah? Yeah, I'm really close to my mom. I mean... My mom's my biggest, uh, you know, my biggest proponent. Uh, she's my, not my proponent. She's my biggest cheerleader. You know, there's not anything that she wouldn't do for me, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. You know? mm-hmm. There's nothing my mom wouldn't do for anybody. Yeah. She's probably the best person in, in this world. I mean, uh, her, again, strength is her weakness. People don't like my mom sometimes because she overdoes it. Yeah. You know, like, like my son, my, my son, my mom's like, I want to buy you a new truck. My son's like, no, I don't want a new truck. I love my old Ford Ranger. Like, Let's get. And he just antagonized and bought. But I know it sounds weird, but my son was like mad because he was okay with his truck. But it just shows you the, like her heart. She just wants to give stuff to people, right? Yeah. And people don't you don't want that necessarily. I know yeah. it's, it's it's a weird thing to even compare, you know. But that's just like she would she overdoes like niceness. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's so weird. But you don't want to get on her bad side. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that either. But yeah, so then came to corporate a couple years ago, seven years ago, I think, uh, November. Um, And I saw the impact probably seven years before impact was impact. And I was excited to train it to the company and help develop develop it for the company. I actually took over impact from Zach Locus in about a year and a half ago. I think it's in a great spot. I think it could be a thousand times better, though. I completely agree. And... um, all I want to do is I want to be able to, to give back to this company what it's given me and my family, you mm-hmm. know, and, and I'm, I'm, I have a very uh, wide variety of my, my backgrounds, not just sales, not just an SGA, not just success. I've had failures. I've had successes. I was in PR. I was, I've done, I've done janitorial work for my dad growing up, you know, I, mean, yeah. I am, I bleed American income, right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, it's not about making a paycheck for me. That's a big thing. I got to feed myself and my family and my entertainment and all that stuff, right? Don't get me wrong. I like money. <laughs> but, um, but again, what's bigger to me is purpose, mission. And that's what we've always had at Sir A. Smith. What is your purpose? What is your mission? And, and I, I want to make impact or whatever we're on. I want to get this company to that next level that Steve Greer wants to get us to that billion dollar level, right? Yeah. I want to bring other people along with me. I want to see more Marcuses, more, more, more direct people that I've actually affected where they're changing not only our lives, but our clients' lives, our customers' lives, you know, like, and I know impact can get us to that next level. Our yeah. technology right now is lacking, mm-hmm. you know, for the, it's, it's good, but I think it can be so much better and it can really propel us to the next level. Yeah. And I got so many, I'm an idea guy. And I know I look old, and I, my age is old. You know, I got gray hair, but I'm a young thinker. I'm a very young thinker. You yeah. know, and um, and I know what this company I think needs. I know what can get us there. I know what could help us, and and I'm very open to other people's opinions. I'm not stuck in my own ways. Mm. You know, I'm, I I listen um, to other people's needs and wants. I think I'm in the right place for this company. You know, um, yeah. I just uh, I hope they feel like I'm too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited about where we're going. What is your best or your favorite memory up to this point in your life? <laughs> my favorite memory. Um, I mean, obviously, seeing the successes of my kids, you know, for sure. Um, seeing the successes of the agents, uh, of the agency. Our agency, um, I've always had a, a coaching role. You know, if I was training the agency, it was never me on stage, but it was my people I had coached, you yeah, know, people I've, I've led, influenced, right, one way or the other. You know, there's people who told me that, that Steve, you know, um, I, I know an SGA today that I was uh, I was in his training class, and I took him out for a drink and some appetizers at this dive bar in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and he'll always remember that, you know, yeah. and um, he'll say, you know, I don't know if that influenced him to stay or to, to stay any longer, or, but it's those relationships um but what is my one i don't know if i have one thing in my life that i just had my my favorite memory of you know um i know i don't know something comes to mind i hate to say this it's hard in fifth grade i know this is gonna sound crazy yeah but um my basketball team won uh, the championship game and i came home and i was a high scorer in the basketball game and i came home and my parents were playing we are the champions they made a poster for me yeah it said high score and they, it was like they made a huge deal of it you know now unfortunately it was fifth grade you know what i yeah. mean like like i wish i could say we won a national championship in you know high school or, or in college or yeah. you know i i think um i i think my biggest accomplishment and it's not one of them 
is the relationship I have with people. Like I could think to the army, I could think to American income, I could think to, to I mean, uh, those people, I, I mean, I could reach out to 100 people today, ask them for something, and if they had the whereabouts, you know, if they had the, the if, it was a, if it was a monetary thing, if it was a time thing, you know, I, I think they would reach out and they would reciprocate. You know, Will um, you see if they'll buy insurance off me? <laughs> absolutely. They probably already do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I just, I, I, my life, I think, boils down to relationships with people. Yeah. And I think they, I think I have a lot of friends. Yeah. You know, and, and my Facebook friends aren't fake book friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's some on there that I just don't know, you know, but I think yeah. I've influenced or touched them or, or somehow, some way, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, there's, there's again, and so the same thing with my wife. I met her. You know, we both have really good relationships with people. Mm-hmm. At, and, and hers is their college days, her coaching days, and and you know, I just hope someday that you know, if I'm not here, that I'm remembered by all those people. You know, yeah. and, and the, again, that's 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 what makes me most happy. You know, but that's my accomplishment. Is is, is my relationship with people, all people. You know, I don't care who it is. You know, but what about hardest adversity you've had to overcome? Yeah, um, maybe we're all still in that, you know. I mean, um, hardest adversity, um, raising kids isn't easy. You know, there's a lot of things that your kids do that, um, that uh, you know, I, I think I was a really good dad, first and foremost. I think I was a, I was a really good dad. Um, um, and, you know, there's a lot of people who probably wouldn't say that or couldn't say that, you know, and it wasn't just about providing shoes and, and clothing and, and my parents did, did all that for them, you know, but... It was just being there for them, and 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 the payoff is actually now when my kids are in their twenties, they're in their mid twenties. My oldest is 25, 23, 21. and um, when they could finally come to me and say, "Dad, all that stuff that I, I I told you that I wasn't listening to, and all that stuff that I that I that I wasn't sure about, you were right," you know, and and I, I think I think I was a good dad, you know. Um, I think I could have done better, you know. But hardest adversity is probably seeing my my kids struggle, you know. That's you never want to say, I can control my stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm struggling, I can figure out how to get out of it, you know, but my heart is adversity. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, seeing people like, uh, you know, I know this is probably the first time I'll admit it outside of admitting it to my wife, you know, um, but, uh, you know, seeing people that, like, like a Marcus, right? You know, seeing Marcus, uh, having the success that Marcus has, saying, I could have had that too, maybe. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and, you know, but the thing is, I always go back and say there's nobody who influenced that but me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll never, I'll never say that, you know, I always hold myself accountable. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of things I did in my life that, that um, I could tell you I did wrong, but I'll never point the finger at anybody else for what happened. It's always something that I did, you know. Mm-hmm. I believe in karma. I believe you do something good, something good happens. You do something bad, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Maybe not right away, but it's going to happen, you know. Yeah. And I've done my fair share of bad. You know, nothing that's illegal bad, you know yeah. what I mean? Not, nothing jail bad. But, um, but you know, yeah, that, that's uh, there's been adversity all through your life. I think that's what makes you who you are. Yeah. And I think that's what makes you, like, there's people who come to me now, the things that I've done in the past, I'm like, hold on, stop doing that. I've done that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes me relatable because I can tell you, like, you're a young SGA. Let me tell you what not to do as a young SGA. I was a young SGA. You know, I had my own office. You know, I had a lot of power, and maybe it got to me. And I'm going to tell you what not to do right now so you don't go that same path. Yeah. Maybe the reason I'm not an SGA or successful is because I did this, this, and this. Don't do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think that holds a lot of weight. Absolutely. You know, if I just come in here and tell you why I was just a successful SGA my whole life, you know, um, then you're like, well, tell me. There's no real substance to that, you know. You just, yeah. you know, I think you learn more through that through that failure, you know, that that tough times. It makes you more relatable, you know. That that, but I'll tell you one thing: is mostly through those tough times. Mostly, I always smiled. I always had a good time. I always found the positive, and um, I always turned those tough times into fun times. You know? Absolutely, good times. You know. Do you have a favorite movie? Oh. I'm gonna steal my dad's probably. Um, maybe I'm getting old because of it. I, I like Saving Private Ryan. It's a you know, I like that movie now. You know, um, the, the idea of what they're doing, the band of brothers going there for a common cause just to get home. You know, um, Saving Private Ryan. I'm uh, not Saving Private Ryan. Um, Schindler's List is my dad's probably one of his favorite movies. Um, and I'm gonna steal it from him because the the purpose at the end of the movie, what Schindler. You ever watched the movie Schindler's List? 
So my dad took me and my sister to a small Jewish community outside of Cleveland. Schindler's List is about a, a business owner um, during the Holocaust. And yeah. and this is going to sound weird, but I'm, I'm, uh, I can't believe the Holocaust happened in, yeah. in our time. And when I mean yeah. our time, like our grandparents, they, they lived through it, right? Yeah. You know, like I couldn't, it just, I, I'm very interested in the Holocaust. I, I sometimes say I like it and nobody can like the Holocaust, you know what yeah. I mean? But I can't believe that happened within our, 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 our relative's lifetime, right? So it, it, it interests me. Um, but this guy who owned a business, what he would do is he would buy Jew or buy Jews that were going to go to the concentration camps to work in his factory that built bullets, right? Mm-hmm. And um, that never worked. He bought, built ammunition that never worked because the people who were building them it was going to go to kill their their family members, right? Yeah. And he would have to try to buy these these Jews, right, from the Germans. And I think he might have been German himself. But at the end of the movie. He's looking at, like, all, like, they finally, you know, they freed the Jews, um, and all his people, they left the factory, right? And they were thanking him. They all thanked him. And this is a true story, right? And at the end of the movie, you could see him, like, looking at his car. And he goes, I could have sold this car. That's 10 more Jews. I could have sold my ring, my teeth. I have a gold, too. That's two more Jews. He, all he wanted is he saved family, like, millions. Well, I don't want to say millions, thousands, hundreds of families because the, the, the bloodline that, you know, lived on because of him. Yeah. And all he wanted to do is more. You know, like he didn't care about the money. He didn't care about the business. He cared about the, the helping the people, right? And thank God my dad took it. I didn't want to go. We were like, what are we going to this weird movie for? It's black yeah. and white. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think I was 16 years old. My sister was, we were like complaining we didn't want to go to the movie. But at the end of the movie, the last scene is you see the people that he saved in real time today. Mm-hmm. Like, like they were older. Now, they're probably mostly dead today. But mm-hmm. in the movie, at the end, they show you the picture portrayed in the movie, the actor, and the actual person. And they said, like, he has three grandkids, ten grand, whatever, you know. And, and everybody was either crying in the movie theater, sniffling, or they just shut up and watched. They did, yeah. like, You walked out, and it was complete silent. It wow. was a heavy, heavy movie. That's insane. A heavy movie. But it's about people. And that's what we do. We deal with people. Yeah. Our clients, our, our clientele, our, our agents, you know. Yeah. Could you imagine if just one more person, you know, one more person we could sell uh, life insurance to? And, mm. and, and, you know, I think one of the things I taught in my training class is uh, to, to, there's one, you ever watch Back to the Future? It's a little, yeah. okay, so Back to the Future, one of my dad's favorite movies too. Um, I like Back to the Future, but had a, had a big meaning to it, right? That if you do one thing differently in your in your past, mm-hmm. your future can be completely different. Remember when yes. Biff went back there and he beat up uh, beat up Biff, or, or Marty McFly beat up Biff, and and then now uh, in one movie he's he's washing Marty's car, and the next movie Marty's washing his car because of one scene, yeah. right? You know the fight scene. Well, I think that's what I mean. If you go into our members' homes and you close your eyes for a quick second, not, I don't encourage people to close their eyes, but if you close your eyes and you think, if this family dies tomorrow, and I'm lazy. I don't close them, you know, I don't show them the passion for our product, right? Mm-hmm. Most likely, they're never going to hear about life insurance again until it's too late. Yeah. They retire until they're sick, until they're dying, whatever, yeah. right? We're probably the first and last person to ever contact them about life insurance, right? Yeah. I got to at least plant the seed, but I got to be passionate about what I do, right? Because if I, let's say I wrote a thousand bucks for the day, this is my last appointment, I'm like, I'm just going to shortcut this one and get out of here, right? Because I'm yeah. already successful. Or I wrote nothing for the day, I'm going to shortcut this one because I just want to get home, right? Whatever it may be. I just want to get home. I'm going to shortcut my appointment. Could you imagine if they bit, didn't buy life insurance, what what third generation or the next generation or the jet, if they die with nothing in the bank and they, you know, they just, I wish I could tell the whole story out because there was a, a good story that I have to tell, but I, I just don't, we don't have time. And, and um, we can absolutely not only affect the family that we're in front of, but multiple generations to come mm-hmm. if we just influence them to put a little bit of money away, right? Absolutely. And, and invest it in life insurance. You Absolutely. know, we can be that one moment that changes their life in a different direction. How many inner city kids do you think are artists or musicians or scientists or athletes, right? Everybody says athletes, you know, but, yeah. but how many are actually scientists that could maybe cure COVID or cure cancer? But they'll never get the opportunity because their parents can't put them into school. Yeah. You know, now athletes, maybe they get into school because they're athletic, but that's not going to cure cancer. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But how many artists, musicians, um, business people can change the world if they just had the opportunity to go to college? Yeah. Right. How many athletes will never be recognized to be the best athlete because their mom can't buy them a bat or or, or cleats? You know, and and I just I just wonder how many people we don't touch and, and. that we could, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so we have a product that is life changing. It's life changing. 
you know, it's generational changing. And if we don't uh, believe that it is, we're in the wrong industry. You know, yeah. we, we absolutely are. And we get paid to do that. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. and not only do we get paid, but we get paid really good. You know? Yes. So that's crazy. It's crazy to think that we get paid for doing something that, like a good thing. You know, something that's not going to be a negative for our clientele. You know, it's a, because a lot of times when it's a positive for us, it's negative for the other people. So, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But ours is a win, win, win. Absolutely. So, yeah. What's your favorite restaurant? <laughs> Shinto's. Japanese Steakhouse. You've been there with Marcus in Strongsville. I don't right? think so. You, you've never been to Shinto's? That's the only restaurant he goes to besides Foster's. Yeah. They cook the, the, the sushi place? I don't think oh, so. Oh, it's his favorite restaurant, too, I guarantee you. Yeah. Foster's is probably his favorite, but it's a Japanese steakhouse. Like, um, um, and it, the food is great, right? Best, I mean, Some of the best steak you'll ever have. And the, uh, Marcus made me eat my first piece of sushi there. Now I eat sushi, but not, not like real sushi. This is like Americanized sushi. You know? Yeah. Um, but the reason I like it is that um, the social aspect. What's I, Foster's? That's a that's a bar by his house, and he uh, likes the fly, fried bologna sandwich. Uh, okay. Yeah, ask him; he'll tell you. I thought he yeah. only eats like broccoli. Uh, you you would think so. He I saw him at the bologna. SGA event here recently, there, yeah. and it was not just broccoli. No, no so. he eats fried. No, don't let him fool you. Um, he <laughs> eats uh, the fried bologna from Foster's, and he eats. Uh, he goes to Shinto. I love a fried bologna sandwich. And a lot of times when he's celebrating his daughter's birthday, my wife and there are so like we we always show up when he's celebrating his Adriana's birthday. I don't know how it works out, but we always do. But. But um, the experience at Shinto's is not just eating. You, it's like a you know, it's like a Japanese steakhouse where they cook in front of you. Yeah, the hibachi grill. Okay, I know most of the cooks. I know the owner. I, I a lot of people who go to the, we. It's it's about again eating for me. And I hate to say this, like my dad and Marcus, they eat to survive. You eat to survive. You eat for nutrition. I eat to socialize, and that's yeah. that's why you know I'm, I wish I didn't. You yeah. know what I mean? I just wish I ate to to fill a need for my body. But my my socializing with people yeah. is. Part of my routine is, is it's so hard yeah. when I take people out and I'm. I know it's hard. What about um, what about I always when I do go and see Marcus sometimes is the oh is it Ohio pie? Yeah, do you like that? Yeah, it's okay. I wish they had more sauce in their pizza. What do you we, think's better than Ohio pie out there? Samoski, Samoski's pizza. Um, they've won a couple big contests. But for Marcus pizza. doesn't agree. Um, I don't know. He might. I don't know if he's ever. I eaten always see Ohio pie. I love Ohio pie. Don't get it's me wrong. It's the cookies. I think. Oh, uh, the cookies are the best. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably something else, but you know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, so, Samoski's has a good Philly cheesesteak pizza. I don't think Ohio Pie puts enough sauce in their pizza. <laughs> yeah, but it's good. It's good. I love it. I I go there a lot with my kids. You like deep dish out here in Chicago? Nah, I don't. I tried it. It's, it's all like right. lasagna. I love lasagna. It's like lasagna. It's not. It's not pizza to me. Yeah, you know? it's, it's like pizza. lasagna. Yeah. I don't. There's not a pizza I don't like. Look at me. Yeah. Right. I mean, I like all pizza. There's not one pizza I don't care if it's a microwave pizza. I love. You pizza. know, you look like uh, kind of. I'm thinking of right now. Is it Guy Fieri? Yeah. He's Did actually. I, think, I don't know if he's from Ohio, but um, I bet he he's is. in Ohio a lot, though. Yeah. I think his family's from Ohio or something like that. But my I last. Like him. I think my last question is: What's the yeah. where, what's the favorite place you've been to in your life? All the trips and everything you've done. What was your favorite Man. one? I know this is gonna sound stupid to you. But anywhere my friends are, anywhere pe good people are, yeah. You know? I, and I know that makes gonna, the trip so much better. It, it's yeah, because you could be in paradise with no friends and it not be paradise, and then you could be in Brunswick with with your best friends and it be paradise. When my wife and I were first dating, she goes, "We could have a good time in a garbage bag or in a plastic bag or in a, mm -hmm. or in a, in a box, you know, like yeah." A, and we can. We could have a good time no matter where we go. Yeah. I don't care if it's raining, snowing. If it's you know, we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. You know, and yeah. um, and you know, we are. It just um, so it, it we've been to. I've I've been fortunate enough to be to Hawaii three times. I've been to Punakana. I've been to Grenada. I've been to Mexico uh, uh, more than I could count. Uh, you know, I've been to most. Uh, I don't want to say all states, but I've been to a lot of states. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite. You know, we we, we started going to this little island off of uh, Cancun called uh, Isley Mujeres. Pat Bender turned me on to it, the Bulldog. Yeah. And um, I love that place. Is that um, where we're going for the spring SGA? Event? No, no. Uh, um, I don't know where we're going. Um, but um, I don't have a favorite place, man. Yeah. My favorite place is wherever I am at the moment having a good time. Yeah. You know, and um, I don't care if it's a dive bar. I don't care if it's a, a super expensive restaurant, you know. Yeah. I just like to, wherever we're at, we're going to have a good time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So wherever, uh, I, I like to be with my kids, you know, not always, because sometimes you got to act a little bit more responsible when the kids are around, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, now that they're, you know, adults, you know, that I could let myself go a little bit. I don't know. I, I couldn't, I couldn't. I, 
I could name a hundred places. We love the House of Blues. We love Myrtle Beach. We love Florida. We love, you know, we just we love. I, I just bought a pontoon boat down in Portage Lakes. It's in the middle of Akron. It's a little paradise in the middle of Akron, yeah. right? It has like nine different restaurants on it and nice houses. And I just love spending time out there. But my buddies who live down there, they're in farmhouses. Yeah. You know, they're in, and I love being in their farmhouse with them with all their deer on the wall. And I'm not yeah. a hunter, you know what I mean? And, yep. Um, but I could hang out with SGAs that have houses that, you know, are unbelievable. You yeah. Know, I was just hanging out with Slav, you know, and I loved it. Everything about hanging out with him was awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, him and I was with Max, you know, he's got a purple belt, his wife, and, and yeah. but I don't have a favorite spot. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever I am, having a good time. Love it. Yeah. Well, hour and a half with Steve's wow. to race. Time Appreciate flies. We're going to hop on our next call. Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Peace out. Thanks, man.